The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Duke fans, welcome to episode 280 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I'm your host this week, Jason Evans. We got a tough one we got to talk about. Duke played Notre Dame last night. It is uh, Wednesday morning uh, around 9 a.m. And uh, we've had the night to digest what happened to the Blue Devils last night. Another frustrating loss for them. Before we get into all the details of that, let's bring in my partners in crime in Washington, D.C., Donald Wine. How you doing, Donald? Uh, last night's loss didn't digest in my stomach, so it's still gurgling this morning. I know that was probably a little bit TMI, but that's how the season's gone. <laughs> you can burp it all over the podcast. There you yeah. go. Uh, Sam Klein up there in Boston. That's that. That was not fun last night, was it, Sam? Uh, no, not at all. I, uh, I, I, I had no fun watching the game. It was, it was a, I mean, it was weird to begin with because we had that whole four thirty start. And it just, and, and throughout the first half, I was like, oh, whatever, like at least Duke is going to win this game and, and everything is fine. You know, it's, it's not a disaster. And then, and then they just coughed it up and, and here we are. It was like six 30 last night, the game was over. And I was like, what do I do with the rest of my night? Now I'm just upset. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good way to describe the way we all feel about it. It, it, it was pretty upsetting. The blue devils fall to Notre, fall to Notre Dame. Uh, the final score 93 to 89. Uh, it was, you know, we joked at one point during the game, gentlemen, that, um, you know, at, at least in the game where you're scoring a lot, it, it's sort of prettier to watch. It's a little more fun to watch. But uh, boy, the defense was really frustrating. 
so first of all, before we get into our recap, I want to let all the folks out there in podcast land know something. Uh, we, we prepare for these things. And I had prepared several pages worth of notes in my computer uh, last night before I went to bed. I actually went to bed like really late, like at almost 2 a.m. Um, I had a bunch of work I was doing and I had tons of notes on this game, points I was going to make, stats I'd collected, all kinds of good stuff. And when I came to my computer this morning, it had shut down. And when I'm not quite sure why, just sort of overnight decided it was going to take a little break. And when I turned it back on, all my notes were gone, completely gone. It's my fault for not saving them. Usually I just put them in a Word document and they continue to stay there until I need them. Uh, I usually don't need to save them on my computer. And I've learned my lesson now. So I am operating sans notes on this game. But gentlemen, that does not mean we will not have insightful comments from Jason. At least I hope. <laughs> hey, you gotta you gotta get into the Microsoft note or not the Microsoft notes the Mac the uh, Mac Notes world because uh, it saves. I, I put it in there and it's very simple for me. I put it in there and I don't have to worry about it because it saves my computer, it saves my phone. If I open my iPad, it's there. If I want to go to some random computer and log on iCloud, it's there. It, it works. And then I just delete it after every episode. It it's an extra step, but stop it, bragging. Somehow versus I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a folder on my I, I've actually switched in in like the last couple months to doing these shows on my work computer. But most of my notes from the history of this program are on uh, notepad, uh, like text files that are all saved in a folder on my computer. And th like, they're awful. They're, you can't read them there. Th there's like all kinds of like little half written scripts and stuff in there. But I, I did save them on them. Now I've upgraded to doing them on Word and having them automatically backed up. So I'm, I'm, I've upgraded in, in tech savviness. So th great advice. And, uh, you know, I'm one of these folks where when something goes wrong on the computer, I learned my lesson and, and, uh, and better next time. But unfortunately for this time, may not be as much as you usually get from me. Hey, there are probably people out there who are thrilled to hear that. Jason, but, <laughs> yeah. Jason, you're bringing, you're bringing as many stats as, as Duke brought effective defensive stops yesterday. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, yes. That, and we'll be talking about the defense. But first, guys, the way we always do, let's start with our headline. Sam, I'll get you first. What's your headline from this contest? Motion offense, motionless defense. I like it. Very good. I, I, I wanted to say very quickly about that. The I feel like in in very recent, like in the last few games, the Duke offense has become a lot clearer. I, I've talked a lot about how I, I like seeing a lot of the offensive improvement that we've seen from Duke. And for the most part, maybe save for a couple players yesterday, that improvement continues to to show. And that, you know, peak Duke offense, like if we go back 15, 20 years, we love talking about Duke running the motion offense and and passing the ball around the perimeter a lot and all that kind of thing. I feel like this Duke team is actually getting there on offense, but standing still on defense. Okay, so you're, you're breaking the rules. You were getting into the good and the bad. <laughs> we're not there yet. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I just wanted to talk <laughs> a little bit about my headline because I liked it, but I wanted to hear Donald's and Jason's headlines too. Okay, so, so, so Donald, Donald, your turn. Give me your headline. Mine is Duke comes quick out of the blocks, but can't win the track meet against Notre Dame. And my headline is Duke has no defense as Notre Dame prosecutes its case. Um, I guess I'm on a little bit of an impeachment kick there. <laughs> it's impeachment <laughs> week. Yeah, it is impeachment right. week here yeah. in DC. Uh, so, uh, so we, we, our, our headlines, I think, pretty clearly describe this game. Yes, Duke came out of the blocks very, very strong, jumped out to a double-digit lead early on. Boy, they hit everything they were taking. And then 
Notre Dame said, oh, wait, if that's the way you're going to play, we will join you. And Notre Dame proceeded to hit everything they took throughout the rest of the game. And in the end, the, the Devils could not hold on. Um, great offense by Duke. Really, really poor defense um, as Notre Dame got whatever they wanted throughout the entire contest. Uh, Donald, I'll, I'll go to you first. Let's, let's do the good first before we hit the bad. Um, what, what are the things you saw that you really liked from this game? So I'm just going to point out some stats uh, that I think were very, very good because I thought we statistically had a very good game. Uh, it, we, we had more uh, field goal attempts. We made more shots. We had more, we had a better three point percentage of the first half. We had 87%. We shot 87.5% from the line. We had more rebounds. We had more total or we didn't have more total points. We had uh, just as many assists. We had as many, we had more steals, more blocks, like we, all of these things, points to the paint. These are things that over the last few weeks we have said, Hey, we should improve all of these. If we want to win some basketball games, we did all of that last night. So there is some good in the fact that as, as Sam and you have alluded to the, the offense has improved. We're, we're scoring with more ease. We have more, uh, you know, on, on defense, we're getting rebounds. I, we, I think we tied on block shots, but in the first half, like Mark Williams was all over the place. He, he was impacting the game at both ends of the floor. Henry Coleman for his like short stint in the game in the first half was impacting at both ends of the floor. You had guys doing great things, but, we just didn't get it over, get over the hump at the end. And, and really that fast start led me to believe that we are hopefully over the, the slow starts because it's clear that they were having fun out there in the first uh, 10 minutes of the game when they went up, you know, by 15 points. I'll add to that, by the way, that if we go back, say a month or two, the guys on this team who we were most, I think, disappointed by in terms of their, contribution relative to how it had been like the first two months of the season in some order, I think were Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach and Joey Baker. And all of those guys yesterday were very effective in their own ways for Duke. They, they have all come a long way. And I think that they deserve a lot of praise in particular, Wendell Moore, who was really down early in the season and got our player of the week two two out of three player of the week nominations from last week and was definitely one of the couple of very effective players for Duke last night. So I think that those guys deserve a lot of praise for improving throughout the season. And like you said, Donald, all the offensive stats really great last night, the way that Duke came out, uh, you know, right from the jump and, and basically just took a commanding lead. All of that was great. The first like 10, 12 minutes of the game, nothing bad to say about Duke. That's where I'll leave the good. Yeah, no, that's very accurate. And, and you hit on something that I definitely wanted to mention, which was uh, I thought the play of Wendell Moore was outstanding. Uh, you know, uh, let, let's do it statistically. 24 points, 10 rebounds. Again, he scores those points very efficiently, 9 of 16 from the field. Um, he hit all his free throws. He, he had three assists. He had zero turnovers. There, there was just lots to like about Wendell Moore's game. Wendell Moore is now playing the way I think most of us thought he was going to play in the preseason. When we were talking about him as a potential ACC, all ACC kind of player, maybe even someone in the running for ACC player of the year. Um, and, and we did not get that from him until just a couple few weeks ago. But his play lately has been exactly what you would expect from, from someone who, who is as touted as he was coming out of high school originally and coming into this season. And it's great to see. And I, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard to 
I, it's hard to compartmentalize and only talk about the good here and not talk about the bad because every time you start to talk about one thing, you want to sort of segue into something else. But uh, look, I, I, I'll stay on the good for just a moment and say that uh, I, Mark Williams is incredibly aggressive in the post when he has the ball. I, I'm, I'm just struck by how much he's looking to score. He feels confident in his post moves. Um, he doesn't have a huge variety of them yet, but he's getting there and he's, and he's very efficient uh, at, at what he's doing thus far, um, it, you know, when he gets some strength, my goodness, that guy's going to be an absolute beast. I, this is we, we've been ta- we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where we said, "Hey, it's going to be great when he figures out that he's the biggest and baddest dude on the court." He's starting to figure that out, and now over the course uh, and really over the course of the rest of the season, off season, he's going to learn to develop and say, "Okay, now that I know that I'm the biggest and baddest on the court, how do I use that to my advantage?" You could see some of those post moves are pretty fluid, but he he's going to learn a couple more uh, over the course of his career that'll make him an absolute monster. Yeah, if and, he's here for his junior year, Mark junior Mark Williams is going to be insanely good. Yep. A sophomore Mark Williams may be insanely good. Sophomore Mark Williams will be good. Junior Mark Williams will be will be nuts. Yeah. Uh, guys, I think the thing he primarily needs to do is is just sit, spend the summer in the weight room. Um, partially, you know, putting on weight, but mostly just building up his strength. I think especially his lower body strength, you know, uh, around his his back. Uh, and his legs that that's the area where it still feels like he's getting pushed around. He's got to be able to resist being pushed around. He doesn't, um, he doesn't need the full cookout diet, but he needs like a partial one. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just needs like the shake and, and he needs the, he's the shake and maybe like the hush puppies. He doesn't need all the burgers all the time. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of good, I, I did want to mention once again, uh, the blue devils did a nice job of, of hitting their three pointers. Um, we, we have, we're a team that has really struggled at threes um, throughout much of the season. And, and this was a game in which we hit 45%, which is a, a really good number. Ordinarily, that would be a good enough number to win. But I think it's time for us to segue to the bad. And, uh, and, and once again, for the third game in a row, Duke allows a team to just scorch us from three. Notre Dame hit 44% of their three-pointers. That's higher than their season average. They are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And, and in the second half, they hit 50% of their threes. Um, Notre Dame uh, just absolutely killed us from uh, from two. Their two-point field goals, Notre Dame hit better than 55% of those. They seemed to score at will. I, I counted, and it, again, if I had my notes on paper, I'd tell you guys exactly, but there was a section of the second half where Notre Dame scored on nine out of 11 possessions. And then from like the seven-minute mark to about the two-minute mark, Notre Dame scored on six out of seven possessions. Those are two separate runs they went on. Um, when when your opponent is constantly going down the floor and getting a basket and you cannot stop them, it is it's impossible to keep up. It's impossible to to maintain a lead. And the same thing happened against Carolina. These long, same thing happened against Miami. These extensive runs where a team just keeps on scoring against us again and again and again. It, it, it was. It was frustrating to watch, and you can, you, I, I could sense that our players felt like it was difficult for them because they couldn't get a stop. They just, again and again, they could not get, Wendell Moore talked about it at the post-game news conference, Coach K talked about it, you know, the, these close games, we've been in a lot of close games now, you know, they really come down to one or two possessions, and Coach K said, and Wendell Moore said, on those one or two possessions, it seems like we never get what we need. Yeah, uh, the defense... 
I said it last night. It was an all-star game type of defense, like just allowing guys to get whatever shot they wanted. Uh, Cormac Ryan was all over the place and, and just absolutely shook up the team. And, and, and just that, that kind of helped bring momentum to Notre Dame, especially early in the second half with that run uh, that you were talking about, uh, Jason, with the nine, nine of 11 where they scored. And when that happens, you the pressure gets put back on you, right? Like if you know yep. they're going to go down and score every single time, then all of a sudden you're like, well, I got to score every single time. And when you don't, the momentum is, is, is zapped. The energy's gone. And you're like, well, well damn, like now I got to go defend this and I know they're going to score. So now I have to score more. I have to try and do a three-pointer on this next one. You miss that. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, that's how they were able to catch up is we, we didn't believe that we could settle it down and Notre Dame believed that they could just, you know, take over and they just kind of did at the end. But I will say this, the, the one thing that I think really cost this game are two stats. One, Notre Dame had 17 points from turnovers. We only had five. I, I, hey, I, I want to talk about that. Uh, okay. Go ahead and finish on that. But then I, I want to yeah, get yeah. in. The, there, there's, there's a really interesting aspect of that. Go ahead. Yeah. And then also free throw disparity. We've talked about this in previous games. This is no exception to this. This game was no exception. Notre Dame, 18 for 20 from the line. Duke, 7 for 8. So we obviously, again, we shot 87% from the line, but we only had eight attempts. Notre Dame had 20. There's your ball game. So the thing I wanted to mention about the points off turnover, which is I'm so glad you made that point. Again, Notre Dame outscores us by 12, 17 to to five off of points off a turnover. In the in the warm up to this game, in the preview of this game, one of the things I mentioned about Notre Dame that is really interesting is that they are an incredibly careful team. They do not make mistakes. They are like you know one of the best teams in the country at not turning over the ball unless you get a steal. They're non-steal turnovers, which is a stat that people pay attention to us, pay attention to, is Notre Dame is unbelievable at non-steal turnovers. So Notre Dame had seven turnovers in this game. Every single one of them was a Duke steal. Every single one of those turnovers was a turnover that Duke forced, that Duke created on our own. Notre Dame never once made a mistake on their, not a single time, Notre Dame make a mistake on their own. Not a single time did they attempt to pass that didn't reach the guy it was going to be, and it went out of bounds. Not a single time did they commit an offensive foul or something like that. Not a single time did they just accidentally dribble the ball off their foot and it go out of bounds. That's a careful team, but it worked really well for them. And the amazing thing to me is, so Duke gets seven turnovers from them, seven steals. We only converted a, a, a tiny percentage of those steals into points. Usually a steal is you're racing the other direction and you've got an advantage. And for Duke to have only gotten five points off of those. And one of the things Coach K mentioned in the post-game press conference was late in the game, there were two different possessions, two different times where Duke had steals and we had runouts. He said it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a fast break where you're ahead of the field, but it was a situation where Duke had numbers, we had an advantage, and Notre Dame was scrambling on defense. And he said on both of those possessions, we ended up not getting good shots. In fact, he said we didn't even really get shots. And he said those were killers because those are opportunities for easy points and easy points. You got to take advantage of them. And that's something that if you flash back to the preseason from what we had been hearing about this team, they like to run, they like to get on transition and they were able to score in transition. We haven't seen that consistently this year. We've had some games where that has happened. where points off turnovers. We steal, we go, we get the bucket, whether it's a two or even a three. But this time around, it absolutely killed us because you're right. Again, it goes back to momentum and all these little things added up. And 
when you know a team is going to hit everything on the other end and you have an opportunity to get points and you don't get it, that is a backbreaker. And we had one too many of those in the second half. All right, so Sam, let me get you in here. Um, give me some of your bad, some of the stuff you saw that you were having uh, stomach pains, as Donald was saying, about, about regarding this game. I think you guys covered a lot of it. I want to reframe it around the way that the three of us talk about it here on the show because we previewed this game telling you, you know, Notre Dame likes to likes to slow the game down. That didn't really happen. It felt like the, this game was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. There were there were points being scored or, or, or steals happening or whatever, just kind of all over the place. And and it was it was like so uncharacteristic that that you have to look back at Duke's defense and be like, what was, how, how was Duke running this incorrectly so badly that it fooled us? The, the simple prognosticators, I think. And then um, in another way that I want to talk about our, you know, lack of quality predictions, I want to take you guys back to the stats game. We will obviously recap this in full at the end of the season, but I just want to uh, highlight a few things that at the moment are looking somewhat silly for us. So, uh, let's see. There are a few. There are a few that, that kind of stand out to me at this point in the season. Road wins for Duke. We, I, I predicted the fewest road wins for Duke. I said that they were going to have five. They've got one so far this season. Um, one hundred point games. This was probably Duke's best shot at scoring hundred points in a game. They don't have any yet this year. I said there was going to be one. Jason said two. Donald said there was going to be three. Um, well, wait. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, it is. It is worth noting that Duke called off several games. Um, in the early True. season that, that were 100-point opportunities, at least we would have thought. So, th so there's and that. Those are, this and, is a crazy all, year. Those dude. are all gone now. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, look, I'm, I, I guess this is, this is in highlight of just everything. Everything is bad. It's, not, it's like the team is bad. Our ability to predict what's going on is bad. All of this is bad. ACC teams to make the tournament. I said there were going to be six. Donald said seven, and Jason said eight. Did you guys see the graphics that they were putting up on the screen last like, night? Yeah, we're looking like maybe five, right? Teams that yeah, are make five. The yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I will say four, this. Or, you know, so I will say um, this. We, I just want to highlight on the bad. I want to highlight us. We are bad prognosticators <laughs> and, uh, and you shouldn't listen to anyone. <laughs> I will say this. We are going to play Wake again. So the last time we played them a couple years ago, it was 113, 101 overtime. There's still an overtime game in us. I can feel it. We'll get over 100 points. I don't know if it gets wake, but we got one maybe left. Hey, guys, we got to continue on the on the veggies, the autoplay videos, whatever you want to call them, the bad stuff. I, I do want to talk a little bit about Duke's rotations in this game. And I want to start with one specific individual, Jalen Johnson. He played just over 15 minutes in this contest. That's the lowest number of minutes we've seen from Jalen Johnson in a game where he was healthy this season. Um, and, and there was a good reason that he didn't play a lot in this game. Um, uh, you know, plus minus, I, I don't, I don't like to harp too much on plus minus because in an individual game, it is something that is, uh, you know, can be very variable and, and not necessarily illustrative, but in this game that, you know, the Duke only lost by four Jalen Johnson in his 15 minutes, the team was minus 19 while he was on the floor. It's a big number. Uh, by contrast, when Mark Williams was on the floor, Duke was plus 11. Mark Williams played 18 minutes. Duke was plus 11 those 18 minutes. Jalen Johnson played 15 minutes. Duke was minus 19 when Jalen Johnson was on the floor. 
And I don't think Mark Williams and Jalen Johnson play very much together at all. So that's why I sort of use those two as a good example. I think that though Jalen Johnson is uh, a really supremely athletically gifted player with some, some really interesting offensive talents, especially, I think Coach K, he didn't talk about it in the post-game news conference, but I think Coach K is very frustrated with Mark Williams, I'm sorry, with Jalen Johnson's defense. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why Jalen posted such a poor plus minus in the game. And one of the reasons why he played so little, I mean, Joey Baker played more than Jalen Johnson in, in theory, Duke, Duke played nine men last night and Jalen Johnson played the eighth most minutes. So th this guy who's probably going to be an NBA lottery pick who many people felt. And, and I felt as well at the beginning of the season felt he was the best player on the team um, played the eighth most minutes in this game. And I think it's because to some extent, his defense makes him a little bit unplayable. Uh, and that's that's a real problem for Duke. They need to find a way to make Jalen integrate more into what the team's doing on both ends of the floor. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned the, the lack of defense. He had zero rebounds last night. And that is someone that entering the season, we were counting on to get six, seven uh a game, not necessarily like every game, but like have that consistency where we know that he's going to pull down at least five rebounds and that Mark Williams can pull down five. And even Henry Coleman off the bench could pull down, you know, two or three or four. And you have a team that's really deep and can clean the glass up on offense and defense. He was really good at that at the beginning of the season. He has lost that, uh, that ability to be able to get into the paint and play big guys and also get rebounds so we can get out and go. Cause he was a guy that would be a guy. You can grab the rebound and go coast to coast and lead the break. We're not seeing that from him. And it's, it, I, I hope he gets whatever that, that energy was back because if he, if this is going to keep going, he's going to keep staying on the bench. We all know that coach K says, yeah, your offense may bring you into the game, but your defense keeps you there. And if he's not going to be playing defense, he's not going to be seeing the floor much. There's a common term that we hear, I think, every year about the freshman wall. And it's clear that Jalen Johnson has hit it. The injury probably didn't help. And the offseason probably didn't help where there was a, you know, you normally get a, a pretty standard ramp up period. And, and Coach K knows how to manage this. One of the, the benefits of him having been through this process now the last 10 or so years with all these new guys coming in every year is that they know this is how much work you, you make them do over the summer. This is how much they can do in the preseason. This is, this is the, the, the kind of load that they can carry relative to the amount of talent they bring. Jalen Johnson is not a completely unique player for, for coach K to be bringing in. And I think the, the, the disjointed offseason coupled with the injury that he suffered. I, I don't think we're, we're probably giving enough uh, credence to how much the injury creates a setback for the player. All of those things I think are contributing to this freshman wall for, for Jalen right now. And hopefully with a few days off, because this game was on a Tuesday, the next game's not till a Saturday. It's a, it's a good moment for, for Jalen Johnson, maybe to, to, to rest a little bit, but also to watch a lot of film from this game, from the last couple games, to really learn a lot and, and internalize a lot of the places where he can improve. We know that he has the talent. We've talked about how he's, he's an NBA lottery pick. We expect him to have a really productive NBA career. It's just a struggle for him right now. I think he's going to get on track, and hopefully this game and this performance is going to be a, a, a good wake-up call to him. I don't think that I, – I, I'm not blaming Jalen Johnson for the way that this season has turned out. But hopefully this is the, the valley for him and that, and that it's up and up from here. 
Yeah, I, I like the optimism and I, I'm inclined to agree because he is a supremely talented um, ball player. One thing I wanted to mention about Jalen, because we've mostly talked about the defense, but um, he has he has issues holding on to the ball on offense. In those 15 minutes that I talked about, he had three turnovers. And, and that's something he's got to clean up as well, because we've seen him be a great facilitator for Duke. We've seen him, you know, pile up a lot of assists. He only he did not have any assists uh, last night against Notre Dame. Um, he, he needs to find ways of being productive other than just scoring and rebounding. And of course, he didn't rebound at all. Um, it's, and speaking of turnovers, I wanted to, it just wanted to really quickly take me to another player. Um, the guy who led the team in turnovers was DJ Stewart, who played less than 22 minutes. It's the first game this year that DJ Stewart has played less than 22 minutes. I, I don't, I, I, I kind of think that part of that was uh, guys like uh, Joey Baker, um, maybe deserving a little more time. Um, Wendell Moore being someone that you just could not take out of the game at all. Jeremy Roach playing pretty well. And as a result, there just wasn't as much room for DJ Stewart. By the way, Jeremy Roach, I wish we'd mentioned him during the good section of our, our conversation. J Jeremy Roach taking the ball to the basket was incredibly impressive. He's clearly developed a, a tremendous amount of confidence at his ability to drive to the goal. And when Duke spreads the floor the way Duke has been spreading it lately, those angles are open for him. But, but I, I did, you know, they all come back. Hey, to, on, on, yeah, on Jeremy Roach, I, I, I did mention him like a little bit. I don't think I, yes. I got to go in depth, but, but, but going back to the point about Jalen Johnson and the freshman wall, I think Jeremy Roach just hit it earlier. And yeah. for whatever reason, you know, the, the, the way that the various freshmen are developing this season, DJ Stewart has actually been probably the most consistent freshman for Duke so far this year. Jeremy Roach had that struggle about a month and a half or two months ago, and he has progressively gotten better and really found his role. I don't think he's a, he, he's not a highlight maker at this point, but like you said, Jason, the, his offensive game has developed a lot in the last few weeks. So Sam, I think you're, uh, you're getting time confused during the coronavirus. You said a month and a half or two months ago for Jeremy Roach, Jeremy Roach's struggles were like three weeks ago. <laughs> time is time. Time doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. Don't, but, but don't, don't hold this. Don't hold this against me. All right. Stop. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I get it. Um, but you're, you're right. He has, uh, I, I think that's a, a very apt way of, of, dis of discussing it that, that, you know, Roach hit the wall earlier, perhaps, you know, Jalen's wall was delayed by the injury or something like that, but it, it does feel like Jeremy Roach is playing much more the way we would have expected the way, he, way he's capable of lately. So, so I sort of added a good in there in the middle of our bad, um, uh, gentlemen, I, I think we've, we've said all we need to say about this Notre Dame contest. Um, uh, we haven't really discussed how it impacts Duke's ability to make the NCAA tournament. It feels like the Blue Devils need to go on a pretty incredible run at this point to be uh, even in the tournament conversation. We, we, of course, have a losing record, but we will attempt to get back on winning ways this weekend when we play uh, the NC State, the hated Wolfpack from down the road. And we were going to take a quick break. And when we come back from that break, we'll preview that contest coming up this weekend. So we are back and it is time to look ahead because we don't want to wallow in our misery from the past. And part of looking ahead is to look at North Carolina State. Um, Duke will be playing uh, at NC State. This weekend, as Sam mentioned, Duke has not been very good away from home in this game. Um, Donald, why don't I go to you first? Tell me what you know about NC State in terms of, you know, who they've played and their results thus far. Well, 
I guess, luckily for us, they are in a similar funk as we are. They have lost seven of their last nine. They're eight and eight overall, four and seven in the ACC. The only win they have that's in the top 100 in Kimpom is against UNC back on December 22nd. So they have some wins that are against some, you know, lesser teams, the teams that they've played that are anywhere decent. Most of them they've lost. They've, but they, some of them they've lost by, you know, small margins. They lost by four in OT to Clemson. They lost by five to Miami, lost by 10 to UNC in their second, uh, in their second matchup. They lost by three and nine to Syracuse. They've played them twice in the last like month or so. They lost by seven to UVA. And it's just Florida State where it was a bad loss. They got Bo beasted by 32 to the Seminoles. So those are the, you know, those are their losses. But if you look at them, they're all very close losses. Sorry, sorry can I can I jump in? Do you say yeah. they got they got Bo beasted? I think that's Bo the first time I, beasted. I think yes. that's the first I've heard that. That is that is a phrase that you will hear a lot from me on this podcast if we keep playing the way we do, because a lot of times is we like a- to bow beast people. It, 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 it's there's Molly Wap, there's Bo Beasting, there's a beat him down, as Bobani Jones would say. They're all relative. But like usually if you're over 30 points, you're into a territory that you didn't just beat them. You did something bad. It sounds like it sounds like Bo Biscuit, which is a completely different thing. It's a, it's a different thing. That's usually a good thing. That's what you get after yeah. you Bo Beast somebody. You go get a Bo Biscuit. <laughs> you go get a Bo Biscuit. A Bo Biscuit right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, only lo- the only major loss they had that was just an absolute just destruction was Florida State. That was by 32. And, and really when it comes to NC State, you guys mentioned it. We never play well when we go there. We may win, but we never play. We very rarely play well in Raleigh. We're going to Raleigh on Saturday. I, I'm not sure if they're going to have fans in the stands. That usually is has an effect on this game in particular in, in years past. But on Saturday, again, when we go down there, we're on the road. We haven't been good on the road this year. We haven't been good on the road in Raleigh. So we want to try and put all that behind us to see if we can bring the bring the energy from offense that we've had the last couple of games and leave that defense that we saw last night in the locker room because that NC state is a team that when you see them play, you're like, okay, they're, they're decent team. Like, you know, they're going to, they're going to play well. Some games they are going to, you know, inconsistent, whatever. But when it comes to them, if you present a sound defense, they will crumble on it. They may, you know, hit a couple shots on you, but they're going to crumble in the end because that's basically what they do is they wilt down the stretch for this, for this game. I, I hate to say it, but who's going to wilt down the stretch. We've done it in previous games. They've done it in previous games. If we can hold strong in the second half, then we have a good shot at beating them. All right, Sam. So I'm going to go to you now because the NC state personnel, you, you tend to focus on who are the players. The NC state personnel uh, changed up a few day, games ago. And, and that's a really significant part of the story here, isn't it? You're right, Jason. The, the The big news for NC State is that Devin Daniels tore his ACL uh, about it was about two weeks ago, and they are now going to be without his services for the rest of the year. You don't recover from an ACL in a month and a half, unfortunately. Uh, I can tell you that from experience. But um, Daniels was was key for NC State. He was a senior. I, I will talk, by the way, about the rest of this team all having at least the, the, the key players for NC State, having a lot of experience. And if you think that that is something that we have heard in recent weeks about opponents for Duke and then started to feel a little bit nervous about the fact that Duke is going up against a team of mostly juniors and seniors, welcome back to, to our, our reality that just continues playing out over this season. But Devin Daniels was, was key for NC State. If you remember last season when 
Duke went to Raleigh and just got the crap beaten out of them. Uh, he was one of the the most effective players for state scored 25. So anyway, he's out. We don't have to, we have to be worried about him, but we do have to be worried about a number of other guys. And, and they have some, they have a couple of really big dudes who are very effective for them. Jericho Hellams, who is a six, seven junior. He had a couple of quiet games against Duke last year. So I don't think his performances would have stand out, would have stood out, but he's hitting 40% of his threes and and pulls down a lot of offensive rebounds. Manny Bates is another really big dude, 6'11 sophomore, who grabs six boards a game, um, and and he's been effective for, for State this season. Expect to see the Manny Bates versus Mark Williams matchup in this game, where Mark Williams is not obviously the, <laughs> the biggest guy on the floor with the most reach because Manny Bates is pretty big. And then a couple of smaller guards hey, for hey, NC really, State hey, who Sam, are just also really quick. effective. Sam, really quick on Manny Bates. Um, th- that dude is unbelievably efficient. Um, he hits 63% of his field goals around the basket. Like it, it, he's literally like, you know, Zion Williams kind of efficient efficiency levels. He's one of the top hundred best, you know, field goal percentage players in the country. So it, you are absolutely right. Um, he, he's going to, he's a load in the middle for us. Sorry. Continue Stopping now. him. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think that's, I think that's, uh, it's a key point because you don't often see Duke or anyone in college basketball playing teams with really efficient centers, the the kinds of guys who even in the NBA, there, there aren't that many of them left. There are guys who are very efficient around the basket, but they're not usually chained to the post. Manny Bates is a, is a post player. And, and so Duke is going to have to contend with him in a way that they haven't contended with many other guys this season. I mean, UNC has got a couple dudes like that, but, but even they are able to step out a little bit. So this is a little bit of a different team. And then there are two smaller guards, junior Thomas Allen and senior Braxton Beverly, who I think Duke fans are also going to be familiar with, the junior and a senior who've, who've been around. And, and they're also kind of key pieces for NC State. The one thing for State that I think to keep in mind is the rotation's not that deep for them. They don't have a lot of guys that are, that are kind of backfilling with, with all these other players. There is um, one player that I'm intrigued by, a freshman point guard named Shaquille Moore, who comes off the bench for them. He gets a decent amount of minutes. And uh, and has been playing really great defense for state. Um, gets a lot of steel. Is is very efficient stealing the ball. Um, somebody who I feel like is going to develop into a into a key player for them down the road. So not the again. I, how many times have we said this? Not overwhelming talent that Duke is facing on Saturday in Raleigh, or, or I, I th- actually I think the game is in Durham. But not overwhelming talent. But the but there's a lot of experience on the floor for Duke. I, I think the game's in Raleigh. Is the game in Raleigh? Nah, well, I just don't know anything. That, my internet is bad, so I'm just going to assume that, that my internet being bad is the reason that, that all of my analysis is, is crap today. <laughs> you can leave that in. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. You're fine, Sam. Uh, all right, so, uh, you know, it's my turn. I want to talk a little bit about the advanced stats. And, and, and I'm not even going to get into the super advanced stuff, uh, at, at least right away. Uh, just so you know, um, in terms of Ken Palm ranking, NC State is number 73. Um, their, their offense is 63rd, their defense is 91st. So they're sort of equally decent, but not great at, at both aspects of the game, um, offense and defense. I, I, I want to start with three point percentage. Um, NC state hits a little more than 36% of their threes, which is pretty good, you know, not like outstanding, but a pretty good number. The reason that matters for Duke is that, uh, in ACC competition against ACC teams, Duke is allowing 41% 
of, of threes to be hit, which is a stunningly high number, easily 15th last in the conference in terms of our opponent's three-point percentage. Uh, and I, I mentioned last time on the podcast after the UNC game, I said you can mark a line at 33%. Teams that hit better than a third of their threes beat Duke. Teams that hit less than a third of their threes lose to Duke, at least in the ACC. That has, you know, consistently been the case. And, and we saw it again last night. Notre Dame has, uh, you know, hit 44, 45% and Notre Dame won the game. So here we are playing an NC State team that averages 36% from three. If they hit their average, that sort of tells you, you know, by this three-point marker that Duke's going to have trouble um, defeating NC State. What, is NC, what else does NC, NC State do really well? They're very good at turning the opposition over. And this is something that Duke struggles at. They're 20th in the nation at turnover percentage. They are top 10 in the nation at steal percentage. Uh, you know, Sam mentioned guys like Shaquille Moore who do a great job of stealing the ball. State is great at this aspect of the game. And it's something that Duke needs to watch out for because goodness knows we've had sloppy games. If you have a sloppy game, NC State will take advantage of it. Things they're bad at, they're, they're not very good at defending the three-point line. Um, their opponents hit better than 35% of their threes, uh, which is not a good number. Uh, and, and that's something that NC State struggles with a lot. They're also not a very good defensive rebounding team. Um, they give up more than 30% of the missed shots, end up being offensive rebounds for the other team. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty big number. NC State's in the bottom 100 teams in the country at, off, at defensive rebounding, I should say. So, uh, so that's something that Duke does pretty well that they're going to need to take advantage of. Maybe Jalen Johnson can get back on track of getting offensive rebounds. But those are the major you know, themes that I saw that, you know, that, that are worth pointing out in terms of, uh, you know, the advanced stats on, on NC State. Um, guys, you know, can we just really quickly, what, what do we, Duke doesn't have many games left. Do, do we think that the Blue Devils have much of a chance of making the NCAAs at this point? You know, let, let's get into that conversation just very briefly because it starts with wins, it, you know, probably, I, I, I think this, you know, is, as much as Miami, North Carolina, Notre Dame were sort of must wins, I really think NC State's a, a, a must win. It, 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 it becomes very difficult for me to see how we, how we get to the NCAA tournament if we don't win the game this weekend. Agree, disagree? What do y'all think? I, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, Duke basically has to win every game from here on out. To, and highlighted by the Virginia game that, that's coming up soon, that's the only game that Duke has left against a very clear NCAA tournament team. Even North Carolina is is still able to to drop out, but that means that Duke basically has to win every every game going forward because it's not just lose to a bunch of crappy teams and then beat Virginia. It's you got to beat every every team in front of you, and and that that hill is now very steep for the Blue Devils. We talked about that two games ago, and and it's it's really true now. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough thing to look forward to. It's been a long time since Duke fans knew at this point in the season, in the second week in February, that, that the team was likely not making the NCAA tournament. I mean, I don't know, you know, since that 1995 season, there hasn't been a year where Duke was, was potentially not going to make the tournament. There are years where Duke hasn't been as good and been a four or five or six seed, but, uh, but, but nothing like this. So yeah, recalibrate your expectations, uh, Watch these games. I'd say if, if, if you're one of these fans, that's like, I don't want to watch this team. If they're not, if they're not a, a, a either ranked or, or very close to being ranked or in the top 10 or anything like that, 
watch this these games and and look at all the development that's going on. Look at how much Jalen Johnson is going to improve over the next few weeks. Watch Henry Coleman. Watch Jeremy Roach. Watch DJ Stewart. Heck, watch Wendell Moore and and Matthew Hurt. Matthew Hurt, I. I haven't looked at the draft projections. I assume that that he's very strongly considering going to the NBA this offseason and and seeing how that's going to go at the next level. Get excited about Matthew Hurt and and all the progress that he's made. I think there's there's so much to be proud of on this team that is unfortunately not coming through in wins and losses, but there are still a lot of guys that that are that are really fun to watch. I think we've we've grown to like a lot of the characters on this team. Um, and, and it's, it's great watching them regardless of the outcome. So I'm, I'm enjoying that, even though I'm obviously upset that the Duke is, is below 500 in mid February. So Sam, I'm not sure I necessarily completely agree with you that we have to win every single game going down the stretch here. I actually think, you know, if Duke, if Duke were to, for example, win all these games, except maybe one of them, I think that, that we would be back in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. Um, but but it, it, it's obviously getting close. I, I, I do really like your comment about um, there's still stuff to enjoy here and, uh, and, and fans who give up on this team, you know, you didn't say it this way, but I'll say it. You're not real fans. If you're not there in the tough times, then, then what are you good for? Um, because being there in the, in the good times is really, really easy. And Coach K sort of addressed this um, in the post-game news conference last night. He had a really great quote where he said, um, this is going to pay off. This will pay off down the road if you continue to stick with it. If you continue to work hard, it'll pay off for these players. He said it paid off in 82 and 83, in 95 and 96 and 2007. Those are the years that he cited where he said, you know, those are seasons that Duke struggled. Those are seasons that for the most part, you know, not 2007, um, but 82, 83, 95, Duke didn't make the NCAA tournament. But he said, the things that happened during those seasons paved the way for the high level that we went to after those seasons. And you think about some of the things that Duke achieved in the wake of those, those struggling years. Uh, and, and he said, I'm on the side of these guys forever and we're going to keep pushing. And I know that it'll pay off. I've seen it happen again and again. I know that it'll pay off at some point for them. And I want to be there to experience that payoff. And, and the way to really experience it is to be there and be with them through the really difficult times. Do- Donald, let me, I'll, I'll send it to you for a final word on, on this sort of general theory about where the season is going from here. So for me, I, and I think I talked about this uh, a couple of shows ago when I talked about what we needed at that time to get into the tournament with the net and everything. But really it boils down to the ACC standings. That's our first step to show that our resume is worth getting to the tournament. We, we talked about this, like, you know, the ACC is probably, you know, as of right now is projected to get what four or five teams in the ACE, in the NCAA tournament. So let's be in that top four or five. We're in 10th right now, but we're only two games out of fifth and we're only three games out of third. That's how jam packed the ACC is right now. So really I'm not necessarily worried about the ACC tournament, I want to worry about the a- uh, the NCAA tournament. I'm worried about the ACC tournament because if we take games one game at a time and we can build ourselves back up into that top five or six range, that'll put us in a great position where in the ACC tournament, we can rattle off a couple of wins if we need them and then use that as our final, as our final essay to get into the, for our resume to get into the NCAA tournament. So I think when it comes to, we have to, 
just focus on each game one at a time. Let's not worry about Virginia. Let's not worry about the other UNC game. Let's not worry about Georgia Tech. Just worry about NC State. Because if we don't beat NC State, then we have to have this conversation again and again and again. Let's just worry about NC State. Let's focus on beating them. After that happens, then we can worry about the game after that. This is really the point where we always talk about next play. Next play is the only play right now, as far as I'm concerned, because we have to start worrying about what is in front of us, what is immediately in front of us, because if we don't do that, it won't matter if we think we can get to the NCAA tournament. Now we'll be watching it from the couch in March. Jason brought up an interesting point about looking forward at, or, you know, thinking about how this team is going to build for, for future teams. There's a, a very prominent example for me that stands out, which is the, the 2010 championship team that was highlighted by seniors John Shire, Brian Zubek, and Lance Thomas. Those guys all played on the 2007 team that collapsed down the stretch and, and was a six seed in the NCAA tournament and lost in the first round. And all of them said after that 2010 season that the reason that they were prepared for that was that, that they were able to build up over that long time was that 2007 last month of the season. So I, I think it is, it's definitely a, a hopeful look to the future to say, look, this season's been really challenging. Duke fans and, and the Duke team have been really fortunate for, for a long time to, to watch a lot of great teams come through here. And this is going to happen every so often. So hopefully this means there's another championship coming down the road for Duke. And, and the guys are still working very hard. Coach K was very clear about that. The coaching staff is still working very hard with them. We, have, we noted on this podcast, there are certainly a number of signs of progress in, in individual players and collectively as a team. I mean, look, this is a team that a few weeks ago, we were lamenting how poor the offense was and that the defense is really strong. Well, so we flipped the script because we worked on offense for a while. Time to flip it back a little bit and, and work on the D. Um, the bottom line is, if they're not giving up, we're not giving up, um, and we will continue to be talking about them on this podcast, rooting for them, and and expecting big things out of them because they're absolutely capable of it. But that's going to wrap it up for us here on episode 280 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Um, we will be back this weekend after we play uh, NC State to, to see what happens um, in that game and tell you about how it felt to all of us. For Sam and Donald, I am Jason. Thanks for joining us on this bright early Wednesday morning whenever you happen to listen to this. And it is time for the Duke Band now to play us out and take us home. One thing I wanted to mention about Jalen last night really quickly, you know, we've mostly talked about the defense. Um, he, he, he has, pro- he has, he has a phone in his home. Hello. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> I love it.